If you knew the gift of God and whom it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. We think of communion as just the wine and the bread Jesus shared with his disciples at the Last Supper. But if you think about it carefully, the Bible is full, chock full of stories that represent communion. The manna in the wilderness, the water from the rock, this story of Jesus and the woman at Jacob's well in Sychar, you know, and the living water that Jesus offered to her as they taught there that noontime. We are blessed with all kind of evidence of that sacrament of God to us. A minister in a large city goes down to the homeless shelter in this town once a month to help out the work in their soup kitchen. Can't wait till we get back to Rebecca's Cafe, by the way. But after the folk in the uh, shelter have been fed, he then invites him, them to join him in a service of communion that he holds in the chapel that's a part of that homeless facility. During one of those communion services, he came to a man who looked at, as if he had been out there on the streets for uh, quite some time. And when the pastor reached him with the bread and the juice, the man looked up and said, skip me. Why, asked the pastor. Because the man said, I'm not worthy. And aside here through the years of my active ministry, I've had uh, several church members to tell me that they couldn't take communion because they felt they were not worthy. What they don't seem to understand, however, is that the sacrament of Holy Communion is not about us. Let me repeat that. I want you to get it. The sacrament of Holy Communion is not about us. It's about God and God's everlasting goodness to us. His amazing, redeeming love and particularly of his gift in Jesus Christ. So when this man said he wasn't worthy, the pastor looked at him and replied quietly, well, neither am I. And then he added, and you talk about one of those God moments, okay? God moment. The, uh, the pastor told this guy, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm going to go down the line here and I'm going to serve all the rest of these folks. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to give the sacrament to you. And then he said, here comes the God moment. He said, and when I, after I've served you, I want you to serve me. Hmm. 
I heard that. And I agree. It's one of those hmm moments, isn't it? The man blinked in utter amazement. And he said, but father, is that legal? Yes, it's legal, the pastor said. And that's what we're going to do. And so sure enough, when he came back to this reluctant man, he bent over and said, what's your name? The guy said, Josh. Another aside, interesting here. Josh is short for Joshua. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which the Romans translated as Jesus. Hmm, another hmm moment. I love those hmm moments. So the pastor placed the bread and the juice in Josiah's hands, and he said, Josh, here's the body of Christ. It's been broken for you. And here is his blood, the new covenant, poured out for you. So eat this and drink it in remembrance that God loves you and that Christ came for you and loves you so much he was willing to die for you. Amen. I'm told that Josh blinked back the tears in his eyes as he received the sacrament of Holy Communion for the first time in a very, very long time. Then the pastor knelt before him. He handed Josh the trays of bread and juice. And he says, now Josh, you Serve me. Josh kind of looked nervously at the sacred elements and, and he said, once again, you know, he said, are you sure this is legal? <laughs> yes, it's legal. Now just do it. Josh's eyes were darting from side to side in all directions. The pastor said as if he expected the, the CIA or the church police to appear at, uh, at any moment and arrested it, arrest him. But finally he accepted the uh, trays from the pastor and he served the blessed sacrament to him. And then he muttered, he muttered, body, blood for you. Hang in there. And later the pastor would say, of all the communion rituals that I have ever heard, I don't recall the words hang in there to be a part of any of them. But then he went on to say, in that moment, in that moment, communion had never been more holy for him. And I'm told that Josh left that shelter that day with a big spring in his step, and it was reported that everywhere he went for the rest of the day, he'd say, you won't guess what I did today. And from then on, the homeless folk in that community called Josh the Rev. The Rev. 
This is a modern gospel story. It's, as we said last week, it's the good news of Jesus Christ in a nutshell, being proclaimed to one of God's needy children. Like Josh, in all probability, this Samaritan woman of whom we read just a moment ago was an outcast in her own town. She had a bad reputation. She was considered, or she was accustomed to being sneered at, talked about, looked down upon, turned away. Like Josh, she undoubtedly felt that she was unworthy, and the last thing that she expected from Jesus was love, affirmation, and acceptance. She wasn't even sure if this encounter with Jesus was legal. And in the strictest sense of the term, it wasn't. Although, thank goodness, Jesus never let strict legality get in the way of his ministry. Once more, let's hear that loud and clear. Jesus never let strict legality get in the way of his ministry. Never let it prevent him from reaching out to meet the needs of one of his fellow human beings. As Martha read just a minute ago, when this woman came to draw well water from the well of Jacob, Jesus was sitting there beside of it, waiting for his disciples to return from town after buying everybody lunch. And she must have been shocked beyond belief when Jesus asked her to give him a drink of water. Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. In fact, the truth of the matter is, they don't get along too well today. Besides, by Jewish law, a conversation between a man and a woman who weren't married to each other was strictly forbidden. But what did this lady have to lose? So she gave him water and he gave her the gospel. She was so excited by this affirmation that Jesus gave to her, uh, like Josh, she ran back to town to everyone who, whom she knew, anyone who would listen, that she had found the long-awaited Messiah. <laughs> of course, the truth of the matter was, he had found her. Thus, this unnamed lady became among the first Christian evangelist, one of our first missionaries of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. This woman had done absolutely nothing to merit Jesus' attention, nothing to earn forgiveness or God's grace, but he gave them to her anyway. And he even took the initiative. He reached out to her before she could reach out to him, which she wouldn't have done anyway for a lot of different reasons. It was indeed good news. 
It was why God sent Jesus in the first place to reach out in love to God's people. People who had forgotten or perhaps never learned in the first place just how much God loves them. My friends, I think we too sometimes forget how much God loves us. How often and how hard he reaches out to us. Not long ago, I, well, I said not long ago, 13 years ago. In the last church I served before I retired, Bob, I was visiting a family. The man had terminal lung cancer. And he was worried about the end of his life. And he asked me as uh, we talked that afternoon in his living room, he said, how can I know that God loves me? I thought about that for a few minutes. I said, how on earth do I answer this question? And then it dawned on me, this man and his wife had five children, all grown. And so I asked him, I said, Bert, how many times have you forgiven your children when they've messed up, when they've disobeyed? How many times have you overlooked their useful indiscretions? And with that, Bert began to understand If we can forgive, if we can overlook, if we can understand the foolishness of our kids when they're growing up and maybe beyond, how much more, how much more will God overlook, forgive, and understand when we mess up? This question that Bert asked that day reminded me of another family and their dealings with a rebellious teenage daughter. With her, there was one crisis after another, and her behavior kept the whole family in turmoil. Her parents kept praying that she would one day get her act together, but she never did. Finally, one day when she was 16 years old, she ran away from home and entered into a lifestyle that no parent would ever want for their child. After some months, word came back to this family that somebody had seen her in a a nearby town. Her parents and their pastor set out uh, to that town to try to find her. They were looking for her. They searched all one day and into the night, going into every dive and teenage hangout that they could find. And everywhere they went, they would show this girl's picture to those in that establishment and ask everybody there if they had seen her. Their inquiries met with dead silence. But everywhere they went, they put a picture of themselves on the wall near the door, along with a note that read, Kathy, we love you. Please come home. 
Signed, Mom and Dad. Well, two weeks later, Kathy showed up at that doorstep, dirty, disheveled, hungry, but otherwise she was okay. And she told her folks, she said, I couldn't believe it when I walked into this bar one night and there was a picture of my mom and dad on the wall and that note asking me to come home. And she said, thereafter, everywhere I went was the same picture and the same note. She said, that night, for the first time in my life, I realized how much my mom and dad really did love me. She said, I've hurt them so many times. I've broken their hearts. And still they came looking for me and telling me how much they loved me. Jesus spent his entire life, his entire ministry, trying to show the folks of Galilee and Judea that he was representing a God, a father, who loved his children like that. He didn't wait for the Samaritan woman to come to him or to ask for, for his help. He took the initiative. Because under the circumstances, there is no way that she would have approached him in any way. It's one of the greatest things to me about God's love. It doesn't wait around to be invited. God's love in various ways seeks his people out. It reaches out to all of us with love and with grace. In his ministry, Jesus reminded us that God's love is like a shepherd looking for a lost sheep. God is like a woman sweeping her house for a misplaced coin, like a father running down the dusty road with his sandals flopping on his feet to hug a wayward son come home. Nowhere is that truth more evident than it is here at God's table. This is my body given for you. This is my blood, the new covenant poured out for you and for all. I love you enough to give myself to you and for you freely, entirely, and without reservation. Come unto me, and I will give you what you need. Body, blood for you. <laughs>